0: Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet P game live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19+. Please play responsibly. Oilers win 7-3 over the Chicago Blackhawks. Yes, McNader, I see you in chat. I am pumped. Just me tonight on the call. What a game. What a night. What a performance. Heading into, I believe, what is a 10-game break against Detroit. Or or they'll be back in 10 10 days for a game against Detroit. What a way to set yourself up for the All-Star break in the bye week. You go off on a high after what? I understand was a quite the low against uh, Columbus the other night. Uh, just quickly before we jump into the game tonight, uh, yeah, I only caught the last fifteen minutes of the game. I saw the Rosslovic goal. I saw them blow it in overtime. I frankly can't even remember who scored. I was in my hotel room on a work trip, so I I, I couldn't watch. But yeah, I, what I understand was a. Sp- Crazy low. People were not happy with the play of Leon Drysaddle in particular. Came out tonight. This entire hockey team, top to bottom. Did everything you can ask for them and more. For Did everything you could ask for and more. And beat the wheels off the Chicago Blackhawks. They beat them so bad that in the final three minutes, Jay Woodcroft felt comfortable sending in a university student. Like to me, I, I, when we saw when the Oilers were up like five one and they and they didn't put on the they didn't start the power play with the top power play unit, I was like, okay, Woodcroft is doing the whole thing he always does. He doesn't want to be cocky, you know. Whatever he's starting to play it safe. We'll see Clem Kostin get a crazy amount of ice time tonight. And then when he goes and puts in the e bug with the last fifteen or with the last two minutes or three minutes, that is. A bigger slap in your face than being up 13-0 and throwing out your top power play unit with four of the top 12 scorers in the NHL. Absolutely bonkers. I am I I hope someone updates me in the chat as to what uh, the Sh- Luke Richardson says. I want someone to ask him about that in the preface conference, and I'm very, very, very interested to see how the Blackhawks feel about being shown up like that. From the Oilers. Because from Jay Woodcroft. From an Oilers Pants perspective. Watching that. That was absolutely fantastic. Seeing the U of A golden Bears colors. Uh, in the Oilers net. Him walking. Him him just skating around. Taking it all in. I bet you he was shaking. I bet you he was trembling. Th- and, and thank God for Caleb Jones. To put that little floater on. Give Berlin the easiest save in the world. The easiest save you can get in the NHL. And... Just let him end the night off with one save. Uh, let's see, did it actually count as a save? Uh, yeah, one for one. 1,000, he will end his, uh, barring anything crazy, he will end his NHL career with a 1,000 save percentage. What a day to be that guy um but yeah let's see what's going on in chat what's up everyone how many guys how many of you guys are joining me here tonight 14 people watching now we got six likes everyone here hit that like button pump it up saturday night i know it's late i'm sure a lot do you will get to this later everyone's out enjoying themselves um yeah quick sdpn uh housekeeping note as well i know chris hatfield's gonna be on the next game over toronto early this week i think tuesday uh so go check that out that's awesome what a huge guest and Uh, yeah, if you guys want to go check that out, uh, early next week, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, what's going on in chat? Dylan Sparks is here. What's up? Pocket Track MGD, here as always. Uh, glad you guys are all joining us tonight. Uh, Oil 8-4-1, uh, on the month. Uh, it's funny because, uh, by my just adding this on, they would be 7-0-1 in their last eight games, so they didn't start out the month too hot, but what a way to finish it despite the egg they laid last game. Uh, fantastic. Dylan Sparks, what's even better is that Berlin is not only a university student, but a hometown boy as well. Love to see it. Thank you for pointing that out. Absolutely agree. Love to see it. The Berlin Wall has a better save percentage than the Bullen Wall ever had in his illness career. So let's get started here. Going into the game, we got Stuart Skinner announced a couple hours before the game that he was going to be out with a stomach bug. And that's how we got in our whole Matt Berlin story, which we already kind of touched on. So I'll leave that for a bit. We got jack starts who you know has been a lot better as of late what did he end the night off tonight let's just check real quick so he only ended the night with an 893 now did he have to be phenomenal no uh you'd like to probably see him make a few saves there but again when you're up 5-1 6-1 or 6-2 whatever the Oilers definitely got a bit sloppy I'm sure they I'm sure they were already had their bags packed they're jetting off I'm sure right after the game, Cabo, LA, wherever they want to go on vacation, they all deserve it after this uh, last stretch of play here. But you could kind of tell it started. I'm going to talk about late, a little later in the game, I guess, with that Holloway giveaway, those last eight minutes when they were really up. Yeah, you could really feel uh, they were starting to get really sloppy. And once Berlin went in, that kind of went away because they knew if uh, Chicago got any pressure, they would most likely uh, come back to tie the game here. But yeah, yeah. Mick and Andrew, by the way, I get it. We were up 5-1, but what he could have challenged a six non-goal call. It, I, I, I agree. I think you can. It's such a risk because I believe if you challenge those calls, if he gets it wrong, that's one of the ones that falls into the box as it's being a penalty on the Oilers if they get it wrong. Was it conclusive? The refs typically don't like being shown up. They called it a no-goal on the ice. I believe McDavid made the slightest bit of contact. Do I think it influenced the goal whatsoever? No, I think that was a good goal. Absolutely, I know the. Only, I think the only guy in Edmonton who doesn't is Avery. um So when he's on the next podcast, you guys can ask him about it and explain. But McDavid was so swift, and Mrazek is just so bad. It felt like he was always oversliding, overcommitting, and I guess he was just going backwards with the motion because you have to adjust as the goalie for Connor McDavid's speed. And he slid right into the net. McDavid is moving so fast, and they called it no goal. Obviously, it didn't affect anything. If this was a four-three game that the Oilers lost in overtime. You best bet there would be a hole in the wall beside my TV, and I would be on here screaming. But that's not the case, so uh, we're good. <laughs> we're we're good right now. But Dylan Sparks, I'd have to go back and watch the goals against, but I don't think those goals were Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't agree either. The I know. Well, here let's let's start talking about uh, what happened, and then we'll we'll kind of uh, get talk about each goal as it as it happened. But yeah, so uh, this was the last night as well. Also, another positive note. Thank God they won tonight, because I am one of the people who did buy a reverse retro, and if those, if they had got those jerseys, never won in them, and then retired those jerseys, man, I would feel horrible about my purchase. Everyone talking about the cursed jersey that would go into Oilers lore, and we'd be talking about it in 50 years, so thank God they put that to bed by dominating the Hawks today, because if they did not win, and they never brought this jersey back, I would be so sad. <laughs> but... Yeah, so Dylan Holloway starts on a line with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman. Love to see it. How much ice time did Dylan Holloway get tonight? He definitely, I thought he played really well. He was around it all night besides the giveaway that he had late that uh, ended up as a Chicago goal from Max Domi. I thought the three best Hawks tonight, actually, a good thing I should point out, is uh, where Sam Lafferty, Jonathan Taves, and Max Domi, maybe it's because I was watching them. Oh, look, Dennis is in chat. I'm going to acknowledge Dennis. Big Vinny tonight. He had a great poke check. He's great defending zone entries. He was on for a penalty kill goal against uh, the Taves one where Taves kind of snuck in between the net. No one, the D were kind of pulled apart. It was a penalty kill. So I guess the, I, I'm again, I'm not a, um, I'm not good with the uh, structure. Like the, I'm, I'm not a X's and O's kind of guy. So I don't necessarily know whose man Taves was when you're on the penalty kill. If you're just trying to box him out, whatever. Or if you're just trying to, Break up the lane, but he snuck in. Uh, gave a gave a nice poke check. Yeah, love you too, Dennis. Uh, glad to see you here. Um, before we get up, go on, we got 24 watching, about 14 likes. I wish I could make the like goal 72, but Saturday night game where everyone's out, everyone's probably partying, enjoying the victory. Uh, it's probably not realistic. So let's go ahead and say, um, let's go ahead and make the like goal. 29 for Leon's 29th, scoring his 29th goal of the year. Let's do that. Light goals 29 tonight, and MGD. Yamark had a great night. I thought. I thought every Oiler had again. Once again, had a great night. I don't think there was one Oiler who I could come on here and complain about. Um, But yeah, early on in the game, uh, it looked like you saw Broberg, you saw Bouchard out there to start. You thought I thought Woodcroft was trying to get them a little more minutes against kind of a weaker opponent. See what he got because. We are rapidly approaching that trade deadline, and this is a game where three of Edmonton's most obvious targets, ones that have been kind of telegraphed, uh, were in the game, and they all performed. So, yeah, there was a play early where Jake McCabe. The Oilers got a cycle going. 97 was on the ice, and Jake McCabe did a really good job separating Connor McDavid from the puck and broke up the Oilers' cycle, which, if McCabe was willing to waive his no-trade clause to come to Edmonton, would be sick. But that was something I... Kind of just noted um, because it was a good play. Uh, then there was that, that CC fall, it was, whether it was a missed trip by the refs or whatnot. Uh, nurse was kind of pinching, so Chicago ends up with a breakaway. Thank God it was Andreas Athanasiou, and he pulled a war on Fogle, and I don't know if he even got a shot on net. Uh, McInnader, so I'm a believer now that the Oil need good passing demon to get our breakout passes going. Oh, yeah? You think? I'm happy you're a believer. I'm shocked that there still are people out there who aren't. The f- All you got to do every year is point to Colorado. People will bring all Josh Manson. Well, Josh Manson can also make a breakout pass, and they also have 17 other defensemen. They can make a breakout pass. Colorado did not out-hit and physically dominate Edmonton. They just, their skill in every aspect of the game, maybe except for that true top-end skill, their number one center, is was better than edmonton and it showed in that playoff series and that's why i believe that still they need to go out go all in trade everything it got get another get a really good defenseman right shot left shot honestly i don't care just a defenseman who could pass skate play whether he's got term no term don't care get a forward i'm so all in on this team this year it's not even funny um but yeah the first uh the oil is kind of Waited into the game. I thought for the first 10 minutes of the first, the Chicago Blackhawks were the better team. Um, let's see here. Uh, the first two, the first, within the first five shits, uh, shifts, excuse me, Jack Campbell made really good saves. The first one on, on, uh, Seth Jones, an even better one on uh, Arthur Kuryshev when he kind of walked Philip Roberts, who was a little stationary at the Oilers blue line skating backwards. Um, Let's see, and then Jones, and then then right away, the the Oilers were kind of stagnant. I was like, oh no, are we getting another effort like Columbus? But then, Seth Jones suplexes Darnell Nurse, puts him in a chokehold, drops him under the ice. I was scared Nurse was going to take a retaliatory penalty. He doesn't. Oilers go to the power play. The Merchant's at work. No one had any doubt. And I know they were talking on the broadcast, but the Blackhawks' penalty kill being good. That, if this was any other team, sure, I'd be scared. This team, doesn't matter. Oilers score on the power play right away. It was, um, who got the first goal? I did not write it down, and now I'm blanking. It was Tyson Berry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the floater. It was the hit the bottom of Peter Mrazik's blocker. It was a really weird save. He, frankly, is not a good goalie. I know he's had a stretch of really good play, but... Yeah. Also, how Toronto made the playoffs and got to Game Seven of the second round with these two goalies on their team for the, the entire season? I will never understand that team, Toronto, gets any sort of goaltending. They are Stanley Cup finals. After watching this game, oh my God, that is one of the most impressive feats in hockey that will not go, that will go untalked about. But having these two goalies as your tandem that that's scarier than uh than get out that is one of the that's scarier than any horror movie that's come out this year easily scarier than the last of us um but yeah let's jump back into it what else happened in the first period after the Oilers score there was a really good shift from Connor mcdavid and ryan mcleod they had their speed was really giving the Blackhawks a lot of trouble and then when they passed it to jp his puck protection would really show they kept uh chicago hemmed in for a quite a while then leon comes out tries to build on that shift he goes on an odd man rush with kane tries to put it through his legs give away to i think it was connor murphy uh, on chicago passes it up the ice uh bouchard and broberg broberg goes right to the puck carrier kind of leaves bouchard open in a two-on-one situation if the guy i think it was patrick kane can make the pass patrick kane obviously can make the pass gets it over to someone on chicago it gets it over to philip kurashev and then Khrushchev, uh Bouchard gets over aggressive on Khrushchev as a puck carrier. He passes it over to Jake and Dickinson. He gets a partial breakaway, tucks it home, 1-1 uh, on Jack Campbell. Wasn't too happy about the, the de- defensive coverage in particular on that play, but obviously that doesn't happen if Leon doesn't make that giveaway in the offensive zone. So what can you do there? Um, the Oilers are the type of team where they're bound to make these kind of mistakes, and they you know just have to make up for it with their goal scoring, which they clearly did tonight. Uh Edmonton then gave a good amount of pushback in the first. Of a good shift, I thought 5-5-5. They started to take back that momentum. Uh, RNH uh couldn't handle a uh, Klim Cost and pass on the 2-on-1. Uh, but right towards the end of the period, the Oilers take a too many men penalty. Uh, and then Ryan McLeod has that shorthanded chance or what looks to be like a shorthanded breakaway where he could have uh, stopped, turned around, had a drink of coffee, observed what Peter Mazzick was doing, and then went in and scored. But the refs call a really late offside that was super frustrating then later in that same penalty kill um Jonathan or er, Evander Kane almost sets up Connor McDavid for a beauty goal and yes but that was also stopped. Mrazek made some really good saves but he also let in some weak goals. I don't know. It's a Jonas Gustafson night. And early on, I thought Kane's timing still seemed a little off, which is again, understandable. He's got a good break, but I thought obviously he did score later. So this would be a really good game to go on the break for from him. Uh, yeah. So we go into the second, the Hawks controlled the first half. Like I said, uh, the oil after they controlled the power play, they really picked it up and the shots for the first period finished eight to eight. Um, then yeah. And then after the Oilers come out uh, the new line, almost scores early. Kane misses a what looked to be a breakaway. Patrick Kane lo- what looks misses what looks to be a breakaway pass. Uh, there were some chances for either side. Vincent Desharnay took a shot that almost went in, it looked like. Uh, Ryan McLeod went to tap in that rebound, and he also got robbed. Um, Kane had a post. 97 was creating. It's funny, this game, Connor McDavid might have needed 10 feet clearance between the defensemen that were backing in and the goalie, and he was he's speedy so fast he's so dynamic that he's able to create breakaways on that or with little to no clearance it's unbelievable watching him play um but yeah yanmark draws a hold uh right after i guess this the hawks were a little later than i thought the though. yanmark draws a hold right after that goal and then what are you gonna do two for two on the power play mcdavid beauty almost what looks to be a set play behind the back right to leon taps at home not the best goal from peter marazic um but yeah smoked it that was great um yeah then we the this kind of play there was a funny play i saw where on the penalty that Darnell nurse took to trip andreas Athanasiu, see you not the best penalty but There was a point where Jonathan Taves was, yes, once again, in front of the net, and he kind of bumped Jack Campbell while Campbell went to make a save, and he puts his hand on his shoulder, and it looked like he apologized to Jack Campbell, and they exchanged pleasantries and go on their way. That was what I thought to be some class from a future Oiler. But yeah, we'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit later, after we kind of run through all this. I got to talk about all the goals here. And then, the 3-1 goal, really weird. What was going on there? Tyson Berry scored, fantastic, second goal of the game, but... How was he in that position to get that rebound? Again, not an X's and O's guy. So I don't know if they were supposed to be down there, but that really seemed quite weird to me that Tyson Berry had a tap-in in in the crease almost. Like a Zach. I thought it was Hyman because that was a, you know, a picture-perfect Zach Hyman goal. And I see 22. I was like, what the hell? Well, that was quite weird to see, but I'm not going to complain about a goal. Uh, Right after that, or right around there, you have the Lafferty-Kulak fight. That was crazy. They were both swinging. I'm sure there were some guys in Oilers management who loved to see it. But also, can you trade for a guy? I'm sure they can. But can you trade for a guy that, you know, just fought someone on your team? I remember when Lucic fought Nurse, that was a little bit of a talking point going into Lucic's first season as an oiler, But that's ancient history now. So I'm sure Sam Lafferty, he was around the puck definitely a lot. I liked the line with him and Colin Blackwell and Jonathan Taves. I thought for a really weak Chicago team and also being Lafferty and Blackwell more so fourth liners on any other team, I thought they created quite a bit. I was really, really impressed with the play of all three of them uh, tonight. Uh, I think Taves will excel wherever he goes as that third-line defensive-minded center who can chip, and I think Taves will be really good, and I think this team needs that leadership. They need a loud voice. I know it's semantics, and you can't measure it, and I'm not one who would ever really like to talk about semantics, but the... Very The variety in play that we see when Evander Kane is and is not in the lineup, I don't know if it's a coincidence or what, but there has to be something to that, to the whole Duncan Keith voice. Duncan Keith's also going to be at the Oilers' pro scouting meetings. So you And they said that he was on the phone with Kane and Taves talking about where he's going to go. I'm definitely sure Duncan put in some good words for Edmonton, as I believe he's an Oilers' employee. Um... Uh, like some assistant development coach, something like that. Uh, And Dylan and McNator going back and forth in the chat. Three goals and 233. Yeah, we're getting into that right now. It was awesome. They just started pouring it on. Then 97 walks right out backhand. It was a way bigger celebration from Connor than I expected. That gets me jacked up when Connor scores those highly real goals and kind of just does a fist bump point. Man, it's just, they miss a little something, but when you see him score a nicer goal or even a regular goal and just do the big knee drive to the chest and the stick up in the air and get pumped and point to his teammates that just jacks me up so much more love to see it from the captain when mcdavid's happy obviously we're happy as oilers fans right after that immediately after five seconds later next shift zach hyman on a breakaway can't convert the breakaway but uh ryan mcleod feeds it to him and he taps it home the reap ha- taps on the pass it's 5-1 oilers what an end to the period they were in cruise control from there on out keith is a special advisor to the gm like the cd's in vancouver thank you for that wise kyle i was unaware of his title so i appreciate that but yeah he definitely uh put in a good word for the Oilers, specifically for jonathan taves i'd also i'd like patrick Kane here but i also don't think that patrick Kane is willing to come to edmonton even if it is for three months Oilers were Oilers were working hard to, in the third team scoring, and I like that. You saw even there was a 2 on 1 later in the game uh between Hyman and Puljujarvi and you could tell Hyman was never going to shoot that puck. It was always going to Jesse and he just missed the check twice tonight Jesse had came so close in front of the net on tips. It just this game again similar to last year you just for whatever reason, those chances aren't going in, which sucks. Because, like, you see someone like Clem Costin who's getting those, he has those chances, but the difference is he's just converting on them. It's just shooting percentage, a bit of luck, a bit of skill. Finishing finishing is a skill, and Jesse clearly lacks finishing, uh, which really sucks. He thought defensively he was really good. His puck protection was was excelling tonight. Um, He took a hooking call, which I thought was really weak. Like again, that's the type of thing that happens to McDavid. I saw McDavid probably had that happen to him seventeen times this game, and nothing happened. How wacky would it be to have PK and Ek on the same line? The Oilers need, like, they don't need, like, I wouldn't put it above a defenseman, but they could use another top six forward. Anyone who believes that, like, yes, you can have Kyler Yamamoto in your top six, but right now we have Derek Ryan, and who's in our top six and. Full credit to Ryan. This might be the best stretch of play he's ever had as an oiler. He's around it. He's doing everything he can. He's being—he's pretty solid defensively. His offensive skills, he's holding on to the puck longer. It seems like he's helping them on the cycle. He's not just dead weight. He's trying his best. But Derek Ryan is Derek Ryan, and Derek Ryan has limitations, right? So you go and you bring another winger, and again, this is really low, and I know they don't have a lot of cap space, and you got to focus on your biggest needs, but someone like Patrick Kane on the right wing instead of Yamamoto or Derek Ryan would make a massive difference. Now, Kane and Leon Dreisaitl defensively, they might score 100 goals and have 150 goals scored against them. So yeah, that might suck. And Evander Kane is the best defensive forward on your line. But that would be so cool uh, to see just for the kid and me bringing in guys like Eric Carlson and Patrick Kane, maybe not the smartest move like from a hockey perspective, but from a pure fan perspective, you absolutely love to see it it's something you want to see it's a that's a fantasy NHL 12 hockey ultimate team type scenario that I think would be fantastic, but that's more unrealistic. So I'll keep, I'll keep going from the game here. We'll kind of just run through the rest real quick. Um, yeah, then Tave scores the power play goal. So he co- converts, gets on the score sheet. I'm sure Oilers management loved to see that. Uh, and I kind of glossed over the um, disallowed goal, which we talked about a, a little early on in the show. Uh, Leon touch past Kane. Kane gets on the board. What a way for him to go in the break! I'm sure. I know he didn't celebrate crazy, but I'm sure he absolutely needed that. That he hadn't. He played the three games. Then he had personal reasons. I'm not sure I'm able to say whether or not if what it was, but it's out there. I'm sure you guys all saw why he wasn't at the game against Columbus. Uh, so I'm not gonna say it. If you want to go look up that for yourself. Go ahead. But yeah, he's back here. I'm sure he's not in the best of moods. Uh, and he converts, and I was really happy to see it. And then right after he convert, he had two great a bombs from the slot on a Mrazic who made really good saves. Uh, McDavid had a breakaway that was stopped a little early on in the period. Then you get Ryan McLeod scoring the goal, which he knew was in, even though the buzzer didn't go. And yeah, McLeod converted there. So we had a ton of guys get off the schneid who really needed it. Uh Yes, Wise Kyle. Yes. I just don't know. I don't want to get in trouble for my employer, so I'm just going to leave it. But yes, just in case. I don't know if I can or can't, but I'd rather be safe than sorry in this situation. Anyways, yeah, we end off the game. Ryan McLeod gets the goal. DeHarnay worked hard. I thought he also had a really solid night. Once again, he's someone who, in his entire tenure as an oiler, I have not said a negative word about 14 minutes of ice time, one shot on goal, one hit, one block. All-around solid night from from David DeHarnay. Philip Broberg with 18 minutes tonight. Wow, what a awesome showing from Philip Broberg. He played, okay, he played a little less than Barry, but he played more than Cody CeCe, which, glad to see it. I like lowering CeCe's ice time. I think CeCe's more effective when he's not playing as much. Uh, let's just check real quick. We got 28 of you guys watching now. 22 likes. Our like goal tonight, we set a 29 for Leon Drysado. That scored his 29th goal of the year. Uh, let's try and hit that. If you haven't hit the like button, please hit it. Thanks for being here with me. I know it's late on a Saturday. I'm sure you guys all have a ton of things you could be doing. So I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. What an awesome game. Well, will dominate. We're all going to get a break for this hockey, uh, for a bit, which, yeah, it'll be a little, it'll be a little nice to take a break, but, um, i can't, can't complain. The season's been one of the best seasons I've ever had. Definitely the most up-and-down season I've had watching Oilers hockey. I've definitely been living and dying with every single loss, which maybe for my own health isn't the best, but I guess for your guys' entertainment, it's awesome. And this was a phenomenal showing. Just a peak performance. The Oilers were dominating, and yeah, you got a lot uh, what did Wisecows saying? You got to lobby the SDPN to have a show in Red Deer for BOA or even Edmonton for the Heritage Classic. Dual a live show. Yeah, I mean, that's something we definitely talked about. I know they want to do it. Um, I would love that. I almost had a flight that landed in Toronto yesterday, and if I had taken that flight uh, as my layover, I might have had time. Because there was a snowstorm in Calgary and every flight got canceled or delayed, I might have had time. To go to the event in Hamilton, I would have rented a car so fast and done that. Or I don't even know if I'm old enough to rent a car still, but I would have figured out how to get there. I would have t- spent the night in Toronto, driven to Hamilton, and figured it out because that would be awesome. And I know they want to do a live show in Edmonton. I'm sure eventually they will. Uh, it's just a matter of time. They got so many of us out in Alberta: Julian, McKenzie, Audie, um, Peter, Dennis, Avery. We're all out here, um, so I'm sure they. They will at some point because yeah it is awesome maybe when when the Leafs play the Oilers next year even this season the Berlin Wall Shaden absolutely the Berlin Wall better better career than the Bulin Wall as an Oiler at least um but yeah no just as far as trade targets go I I know they were, uh Elliot said today that the Oilers were interested in Nick Bugstad. like that as lower end move a lot of the names that are being speculated are you know Third-line guys, fourth-line guys, Nick Bugstad, I think, for the Coyotes. I know I was reading, I follow, like, uh, I think it's Craig Morgan on Twitter, and uh, Coyotes fans really don't want to see him being traded. So they clearly fell in love with him, and his results are phenomenal on a a bad team. So when you see people saying, like, justifying Vladislav Gavrikov's, like, somewhat poor results in certain areas uh, by being always hemmed in on a bad team— that, to me, is a little bit of a red flag when he's in a similar role that if you pay the price that they're asking for and you bring him in, he's going to be in a relatively similar role on your team and you want him to perform a lot better, right? So when you have a guy like Nick Bukestad who's performing really well and dragging up the corpse of the Coyotes and getting them to exceed expectations and you put him in a lower role in Edmonton, then you fe- then logic would dictate that he would perform even better. So that's someone that I would be really interested in. Again, for me, you have them. They went 7-0 in one in the last couple. You've had Philip Robert playing great. Absolutely. I said this before. I'm sure if you guys are new, I'll say it again. Just like Ken Holland got praised. Uh, okay, quickly in the chat, uh, any update on Yams? He's out for a long time for making it here. I believe he's not eligible to come back until after the break. February 12th is his date because he's on LTIR. Once he comes back from LTIR, the Oilers will have to make a trade or send down a buttload of people. I don't have the actual number, but I'm pretty sure they'll have to be running a short losser. But what I was saying for the Oilers, um, you just like Ken Holland got all the praise for not overreacting and making a panic move like so many of us were calling for uh, during this horrific stretch earlier where they can't seem to string a win together or two wins together. You cannot overreact to really good play against bad teams. Now, I understand every team in the NHL is capable of beating you, and beating these teams in dominant ways, like the Oilers have been, is a positive. And I'm not trying to discount any of that. It's a great thing to do because, again, we saw they can just as easily as you can beat Chicago like this, you can lose to Columbus. So it's not anything to discount. But I'm just saying you can't overreact and change your plans for the deadline. What it seemed, what they seem to be two weeks ago based on this stretch of play to me i i still believe that you need to get uh someone who can play 20 plus minutes on your blue line is the price for jacob chicken ridiculous yes what if nashville falls back out do they trade Ekholm? Do you have enough assets that you can make Nashville? I'm sure you do have enough assets. Can you get Nashville to trade at home to you by giving them a good enough package? Like, to me, I know I've, we've heard that the Oilers don't want to pay money to get rid of Jesse Pugliarvi. And I believe Pugliarvi can provide value on him, every team in the NHL. I, I'm at the point where you just, you see him tonight. He's struggling. Is he a positive contributor when he's on the ice? Yes. They also scratched him and won. Like, he he needs to, for his own sake, not even for the others, ignore everything else. He needs to go somewhere else. Take pay. What, even if you've got to pay, I know you won't have to. I bet you if he goes on waivers, I look flamed. Pay, pay to move Fogel. Get, get rid of Jesse. And I know it's easier said than done, but you have the highest paid GM in the league. You should be able to do it. You take your assets, whatever you have, and you convert them into things that help you win this year. Look at the Oilers' division. They finish in second or third or even first because Colorado's climbing up just as fast as the Oilers. You, who are you afraid of in the playoffs? I'm afraid of Colorado again, yes. Vegas does not scare me. Seattle does not scare me. LA does not scare me. All three of those teams, their goaltending can be horrific at times. LA specifically, Seattle more so in Vegas to a lesser degree. But Logan, it's Logan Thompson. And just like we're counting on Stuart Skinner, I guess, but uh the Oilers goaltending seems to be on the opposite trajectory of Vegas, who's been struggling as of recently. But yeah, no, to me, you cannot change your deadline plans based on this eight game stretch at towards the all-star break. I think you still you're not like, oh, I don't want to mess anything. I want to let Philip Rober play. Trade Borgo. Trade Reed Schaefer. Do whatever you can, making make up cap space. I don't care. Send someone else. I I don't care. I'm not a GM. I'm not paid to figure this out. But like you see, guys, like if you could get Arizona to take Warren Fogle for a year, just like they took Zach Cassian and Jonathan Taves at fifty percent retained from Chicago sent to Arizona, fifty percent retained is the same price as Warren Fogle. You could bring him on, no additional charge. Just you give up the picks to get it done. Sam Lafferty, I can't imagine, costing more than the fourth. I, I don't know the market. That will maybe a third, but I don't know if he's worth it. He's definitely not worth a third. I thought he was really effective. I know he, I'm sure management, like I said earlier, management, everyone was super excited watching him get in a fight with Kulak. Um But yeah, no, like there are a ton of guys. Domi had that beautiful saucer pass to kurisha for the Blackhawks last goal of the game. When the others were already out the door, I'm sure, yeah, it didn't really matter them they... they uh, e bug came in at that point, but yeah, no. Um, I still—that's my—that's been my biggest piece. I just don't want to see the Oilers change their deadline plans based on eight-eight because eight. I think that's the easy narrative. What I think that allows the Oilers to do is I think when they're saying, "Oh, well, we want to see. Let's take a step back. Let's not mess with anything." You're just making excuses to do less work. Like you, it, you, it's the easy option. Both times you didn't—you didn't overreact. That was the easy option. Maybe mentally it wasn't easy to sit there and watch, but it's easy to not do anything, and you didn't do anything. And again, you're watching your team struggle, so I know what the other argument would be. It's, oh, okay, you're not, not doing anything as hard because you're watching your, your team's chances for the playoffs go down the drain. But again, we've heard the, this line a million times. When you're struggling, GMs throw you an anvil, not a life preserver, and I'm sure Ken Holland was getting thrown anvils, and it's easier to just not accept the to stay above the water when you're not grabbing the anvils. And and would is this naive to say? Maybe a little dumb. Would I have liked Ken Holland to try and grab an anvil and hope that it's hollow and hope that it's a life preserver and he could have made a trade at the time? Yeah, absolutely. I'm always I love moves. I I would have wanted him to. But I think it's the way that he that they it an excuse for him not to make a move and just like now oh. We should stand pat. We shouldn't make a move. Because now both scenarios that have just that have occurred over the last month and a half have come at a point where it is conven- the convenient option is for you to not make a move. So I don't buy it personally. I think that's just the narrative. I think you can absolutely add to this team. You're telling me you don't. Warren Fogels a scratch. You're telling me you don't swap him with Jonathan Caves because it's just going to be picks. Even if it's a prospect. Who cares? They don't get better? Absolutely, they do. You're telling me if you don't trade your first plus a a prospect plus whatever for a, a defenseman, send out Jesse another pick to get the cap space, you don't get better? Absolutely, you do. I think just standing pat is the easy and convenient way thing to do. You have everything going for you. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has 60 points at the All-Star break. Zach Hyman has 60 points at the All-Star break. Connor McDavid has 41 goals and at the All-Star break. <laughs> everything is lined up. If you don't go all-in this year, you never will. And that tells your players, and that tells more, I guess, depends how you look at it, but it tells your fans everything they need to know about how you think of your team so it's not, it's not a good look. There's a lot of pressure on Oilers management to get stuff done. And we'll see if they do. It's as simple as that. I know Chicago doesn't want to first for tape. I, I think the price rumored was a second and a third. Um, but I'm I, I believe if you have to because of the salary movement that would have to happen, there definitely would be an uptick in the price. But pay it. Who cares? Just do it again. what What do you have? There's nothing to lose. Only everything to gain. McNater in the chat. Hard to not pick tonight, but Hyman is not great with McDavid. Hyman thinks he is McDavid. Holds under the puck for way too long. Fresh, yeah, that's something we noticed about Zach Hyman. Hyman like Hyman gets in the offensive zone, and if he has a chance to take to the net and not not pass, he will not pass. More Zach Hyman is a is a driver. He doesn't. He doesn't pass near as much. He does not defer to Connor McDavid. Like we saw Dylan Holloway on a two-on-one with Hyman, and even though the pass wasn't there, and even though the sauce Holloway made was beautiful and almost got to Hyman, he deferred. Hyman doesn't. I, I and I, I see what you mean, but to me, Hyman needs to play with one of McDavid or Drysital, and to again something I said. I don't think Hyman and dry side will work much more. Like I think Hyman does work with McDavid and I understand why it's frustrating. It frustrates me too. But I think when McDavid does carry the puck um, and Hyman isn't working in front of the net. And I also think Hyman, again, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I think Hyman's retrievals, uh, and forechecking ability, and his ability to just hold onto the puck under pressure help McDavid a lot in the offensive zone, even if there are situations where he looks like McDavid's open, and McDavid probably is the better option. Ha- obviously, he's the better option to have the puck, and Hyman still holds it, but I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to have to uh, disagree with you there. Dylan Sparks I don't like Seattle. I don't think they're really a really good team. I don't feel like they're a playoff team. Yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah. MGD, I think if they're running uh, three centers new center and you have hyman on new right wing i think yeah that's sick you have a lot of depth if you have two 60 point guys on your third line absolutely but that would to me i think that would have to you'd have to have someone else come in to fill that void in the top top six because you have unless holloway takes again another step where he's been good and i've never complained really about the play of dylan holloway I've never never once but unless he like takes a step up like finishing wise and just gets a little stronger, uh, in, in the back half of the season. Uh, I don't think, I think you're spreading yourself a little too thin with the forwards there, but I, again, I see what you mean. I, and, and having Nuge and Hyman on your third line is fantastic. I just, I just think you can't take them all away from McDavid and dry side. I think you need to have, I think you got to have Hyman with one of them and Nuge as Nuge is the third line center, playing the Yanmark and Costin. Now, long term, I still don't like that Yanmark and Costin line that much. I think they give up a little too much. I think Yanmark is a good penalty killer. I think Costin, even today, he had a really good shot on Mirazik. Um, I think he's physical. I think to me, Kostin excels mostly in a fourth line role. And I hope that the Oilers additions push these guys down the line up here because we're. Coming up, uh, they don't play their next game uh, until, when is their next game, guys? Is someone in the chat let me know when the next game is against Detroit. I think it's, oh, February 7th, I think, February 7th. So they don't play in their next game until February 7th. We got a lot of time here. The trade deadline's fast approaching. Stuff's got to happen. I've been on here for 41 minutes. I'm going to let you guys go. It was fantastic, fantastic being here. Fantastic having all you join me. I'm going to ask for like one more time. 27 we had two more to hit our light goal but yeah it's really late february 7th and yeah oilers win by a score of 7 to 3 over the chicago blackhawks the next game over is february 7th in detroit i hope everyone has a fantastic break a fantastic bye week enjoy the time away from oilers hockey go meditate, go to yoga, go get a massage, I don't know, you got everyone here watching deserves to relax, everyone deserves it, we all need it, Uh, but from my studio, I'm gonna say good night to you all, take care, and we will see you next time on Game Over Edmonton, until then, I'm out.